In that infinite moment between looking to my left and seeing my husband hanging from the cliff edge and looking to the right and seeing my son pressed up against the rock face, I knew exactly who I was going to turn my back to. This is the Valley Voices podcast from New England Public Radio. I'm J. Kyle Sullivan. Every month, we're listening back to some of the top storytellers from our story slams held throughout the region. This episode, our winner and runner-up from Slippery Slope, our very first slam for this season held at the Northampton Brewery. Starting things off, Andrew Shelfo with his wary trip for some barbecue. So I explained to my neighbor, in a pinch, a fistful of change and a sturdy sock can make a formidable weapon. The look on his face told me that I have some trust issues I should probably work on, that my tendency to see everything as a scam or a threat had sent me down a slippery slope. He'd been telling me that his teenage daughter had come home from school, and there was a stranger in their kitchen. And, and, and when he saw the daughter, he, the stranger ran away, and nothing was taken, everybody was safe. The only thing missing was a jar of change on the kitchen counter. And I said, so now you're worried that he's going to come back with a sock full of change? It seemed like a perfectly logical conclusion to me. The look on his face told me otherwise. Now, in my defense, I grew up in New Jersey, where if you're not actively scamming someone, someone is scamming you. I think for a while that was their state motto, but I'm not sure. I'm not talking about the big Sopranos type crime boss scams necessarily. I'm talking about kind of smaller ones. I'll give you an example. When I was little, I used to think that when we were on the Garden State Parkway and we came to a toll plaza, I called those beep spots because my father would drive through the exact change lane and honk his horn. I found out later he did that because the rule is if you miss the basket with your quarter, you honk your horn. But he never threw a quarter. Nobody did. My father had a friend who, whenever he needed a new pair of glasses, he would go down to a local restaurant and ask for the lost and found, and they'd bring him a big box of glasses. And he'd keep trying on pairs until he said, oh yeah, these are the ones I lost, thank you very much. There was actually a kid in my neighborhood whose father built a bomb and blew up their house to try to collect the insurance money. That's more Sopranos-like, I'll give you that. But the point is, no one was hurt and nobody really questioned it. So a couple weeks after I was talking to my neighbor, I was down in Orangeburg, South Carolina. That's rural South Carolina. And I was down there for work, and I was down there with a colleague. His name was Carrie. He was from Texas. He was an evangelical. He was one of the nicest people I'd ever met, and he was also one of the most naive. It was our last day on the job, and we decided to celebrate by trying some of the local cuisine. Now, in South Carolina, that means southern barbecue. We asked at the hotel where a good barbecue place was, and they gave us some directions to a place. We drove there, and that place was closed. So we were kind of bummed out. We had to go back the next day. I had to get gas for the rental car, so we went to a gas station. And I'm dealing with getting the gas, and then I noticed that Carrie is out of the car, and he's talking to these four guys in the back of a pickup truck in the parking lot. Now, from where I stood, it looked clear to me that these are the types of guys who would know exactly what to do with a sock full of change, if you know what I mean. So he comes back to me and he says, I have some good news. Those guys said that there's a really great barbecue place close by. I said, great, did they give you directions? He said, no, even better. 
they said that all we have to do is follow them and they'll take us there. They'll follow us? We have to follow, what? My scammometer immediately pinned to the red. But then I remember the look on my neighbor's face. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna let the evangelical optimism overcome the Jersey skepticism. So we got in the car and we started driving and we're following them and they very quickly go off the main roads, you know, the four lane roads, and we're now we're down on some dark country roads, twists and turns. And I'll admit, a couple times I lost my nerve and I let up a little bit on the gas, and the four guys in the pickup truck, when they saw me fall back, they would start waving, come on, come on, with these big trust me smiles on their face. And Carrie, he'd be elbowing me, saying, speed up, we're losing him. Carrie's like a big dog, just happy to be out there for a ride. I'm wiping sweat off my brow. Finally, we pull into a parking lot in front of a nondescript building, neon sign, BBQ. Turns out, it was legit. I walked in hungry and glad to be alive, and it was just like I pictured it would be. Red and white check tablecloths on picnic tables, styrofoam plates. I said to myself, you know what? They were right, you know? I was wrong, this is gonna be fine. We got the dinner, pulled pork, baked beans, collard greens, cornbread, and of course, the sweet tea. And we sat down, Carrie prayed, I didn't. I took a fork full of my food, and the food was terrible. <laughs> and then I looked out in the parking lot and I saw two people come in and that same pickup truck pulling out. And I realized what the scam was. They were trolling for customers. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, who's gonna say that I went through all this trouble to go to a barbecue restaurant and the food was terrible? It was perfect. Who would say such a thing about that? I would, because I'm from New Jersey where a scam is a scam. I told you it was a slippery slope. Thank you. <laughs> Andrew Shelfo of East Hampton, a runner-up for Slippery Slope. Next, our winner for the evening, Karen Fisk, who once had a bit of a dilemma on her hands. Now to tell this story properly, I need to back up. Not to the morning that we decided to take that hike, but to the evening of our son's birth. Giving birth hurts. Any mom in this room knows I've just made a gross understatement. But that pain is just about the only thing that could possibly compel a woman to push their child out of the safest place they are ever going to be. Come on, the womb is the ultimate bubble wrap suit. And you can always keep tabs on where your kid is. <laughs> Once you give birth, your kid is out of there. They're stretching that, that, that thread that's between them and you out as far as they can go until one day it snaps and they're gone and, they for, and you don't know where they are because they forgot to leave a message and they didn't text you. And then after you give birth, you can't help but go through all these disaster scenarios. You think to yourself, he isn't going to wear his helmet. He's going to stick his, uh, a sharp stick in his eye. Or he's going to stick a sharp stick in somebody else's eye. But you know, you've gone through that gauntlet of fire. You've given birth, and you're strong. Moms are really strong. They're awesome. They are. And you know, dads are 
they're good too. Dads are good too. They are. Let me illustrate my point. I came back from work one day. Um, my son was about three. And the living room was just a mess. There was, there's stuff everywhere. And my son is in this whirlwind of kind of karate chops and jujitsu, this and that. And my husband is standing in the middle of the room holding on to a pair of my high heels. And he says, I am Mothra. See my terrible claws. And my son responds to this this challenge by doing a roundhouse kick, which my husband deflects with a couch pillow, which explained why all the pillows were everywhere. Dads are fun. So we decided later on that summer that we were going to go to the Adirondacks and, and do some hiking. And we'd been there lots of times before. And we decided we'd do this one hike that we really loved. It was a very beautiful, gentle hike up a mountaintop where you could see 360 degrees when you got to the top. And, but it had been renamed since the last time we were there to the big slide. And neither one of us, for whatever reason, considered why it had been renamed until we got to the place where it looked like the entire mountainside had just kind of whoosh, gone to the bottom. And there was just rubble at the bottom. And the only way to get to the top of the mountain was this sheer cliff, this, this bare rock with nothing but a rope hanging down from it between us at the bottom and the top of the mountain. My husband, he was elated. My son was ecstatic. He's like, oh, I want to climb like Batman. And off they go to the top of the mountain, just like that. No backward glance at all. And they get to the top. They yell, hey, mommy, come on up, mommy. It's so much fun, mommy. Well, mommy is at the bottom of the mountain having a panic attack. This is every single disaster scenario wrapped up together. This is the worst nightmare. All I can think about is one, two, or all three of us smushed at the bottom of this mountain, falling off the mountain. And they're yelling, come on up, come on up. And I see that the only way that I can get from here to there is to climb up the, the rope. So I, I do it. I turn around and I climb up that rope. And the whole time I'm thinking about us falling down, and I think, well, I got to get up to the top. And I get up to the top, and it's, it's just really been terrible. And I just fall down into a puddle at the top of this mountain. And that's when I look left and see my husband hanging from the cliff edge, calling for my help. Karen, help me. And I look right, and there's my son pushed up against the side of the mountain. And I know in that instant, oh my god, I'm going to let my husband fall. Because I can't leave my kid at the top of the mountain. And there must have been something in my face that told my husband that. Because he just stood up, stood up. In thin air, he stood up. And he says, look, Karen, I'm OK. Like, what do you mean you're OK? And he says, look, look, it's a ledge here under the cliff. Look, I was just pretending. I'm not really hanging from the cliff. I'm OK. But I was not OK. I had made the decision about who I was going to save. Now, that could have been a slippery slope for my family, but it wasn't. Because we tell that story a lot, and we laugh. My husband says, that's the story about me being a complete ass. And I don't contradict him. <laughs> but as my son, as our son, has grown up, and that thread between us has stretched long, my husband has always been there by my side. And when he left home and that thread finally snapped, my husband was there to catch me. He wouldn't let me fall. Thank you.
That's Karen Fisk of Amherst, Massachusetts. Our audience favorite for the Slippery Slope Story Slam held at the Northampton Brewery this month. Join us for the next event to hear these storytellers live. February 16th, we're at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke with one shot. Details are at nepr.net slash valleyvoices. And while you're there, you can find out how to audition for one of our story slams, and maybe we'll hear you featured on the next Valley Voices podcast. We've got lots more coming up for this season. If you like what you've heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, and be sure to subscribe for more episodes. And take a look at some of our other podcasts, like News Now, where our news editor Sam Hudzik shares a collection of recent features, interviews, and commentaries from the NEPR News Department each week. That's at nepr.net slash podcasts. You've been listening to the Valley Voices podcast. For New England Public Radio, I'm J. Kyle Sullivan. Music